Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano. Um, So, news this week for the Eagles is, really there isn't much news. Um, Still haven't hired anybody in regards to offensive coordinator or wide receivers coach. They did hire Marquand Manuel to be the defensive backs coach, um, well, the quarterbacks coach. Uh, He was a former defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons a couple years ago. He... um, Obviously, was a was a really good player in the NFL as well. It's a pretty good hire now. When you look at the Eagles, you know, defensive coaches now, you have their defensive line coach Matt Burke. He was the former defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. Ken Vajoli, he was a defensive coordinator for Chris Long when he played with the St. Louis Rams. He's our linebackers coach, and now you have another former defensive coordinator in the secondary. Um, that to me, that's that's really good structure. Having a lot of guys that have you know called defense before, um, working with your defensive staff. Um, remember, if you're getting coordinator jobs, it's because you do really well at coaching positions. That's kind of how the hierarchy of coaching goes. You start as a position coach or an assistant, obviously, and you work your way up. Um, now, on the offensive side, the news I've gotten is they're trying to be very thorough. And they're in no rush, but the news that broke today is that they're going to potentially try to make this hiring um, by the end of next week for the offensive vacancies, and we'll see exactly how that does go. But again, it's it's really not a lot of news. Um, so I thought this week, you know what I would do? I would talk maybe more general sports news because, you know, shocker, I know a lot more than just the Philadelphia Eagles, um, and especially now since it's going to be, you know, kind of the boring season with the exceptions of maybe free agency in the draft. Um, let's sprinkle in a little other news. So um, we'll start, you know, with obviously the big news of the week, very somber news, uh, the death of Kobe Bryant and, you know, his daughter Gianna along with seven other, you know, passengers along that helicopter that crashed in California on Sunday. Uh, obviously, I mean, unbelievably horrific. It's a shame because... It just seems like it was so avoidable. Um, you know, obviously thoughts and prayers to anybody affected by that. You know, family, loved ones, just just heartbreaking. Um, you know, Kobe, I, I as a player, I remember um, years ago, I was just started in college. I was a freshman. And in my second semester, I took public speaking. And um, we started at the end of January, um, our second semester. And... Uh, we had to um, give our first speech had to be about something you didn't believe and try to convince everybody you did believe it. So, um, or I guess half the class was going to give, you know, something they did believe and we were going to essentially guess if this was somebody talking about something they believe in or something they didn't. So I had been given, you know, something I don't believe in. And this was just following Kobe's 81-point game. You know, obviously that was pretty incredible. That happened January 22nd, I believe, was the day before my birthday in 2006. So, um, you know, when that happened, you know, social media wasn't obviously anything close to what it is now. I think we had just MySpace, maybe the beginnings of Facebook. But, um, you know, Kobe Bryant going around then as the greatest basketball player of all time was was a big talking point. So I was going to try to convince everybody I believe that Kobe Bryant is the greatest basketball player of all time. Spoiler, I don't. I believe Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player at the, of all time. And um, 
at the time, I actually really didn't like Kobe. I mean, not nothing like personally. I just, as a basketball player, I didn't like him. Um, but I did a lot of research for this. And, you know, after I gave this project or I uh, gave this speech and, you know, I did convince people, shockingly, they thought that I actually thought Kobe Bryant was the greatest basketball player of all time. I realized how it really wasn't that hard to convince people that, you know, you could believe that. I mean, Kobe Bryant is an all-time great basketball player. He's one of the 10 best, I think, that's ever played. Um, you know, and I looked at it from his career, and, you know, I remember talking about this. People have this idea that when Bryant came to the NBA that he was this big, you know, highly recruited, you know, guy who was skipping college, he's going to the NBA, he's going to be the next big thing, blah, blah, blah. Dude was the 13th pick. He was traded on draft night for Vladi Dibats. The Hornets picked him. Like, he didn't even start with the Lakers until, I believe, his second year. I mean, and even then, I believe he was still a second, uh, sixth man partially throughout the year. I mean, nobody saw this coming from Kobe Bryant, becoming the player that he was. The Lakers didn't see it. They could tell you all day they, they had ideas, they had dreams, he had potential. But I mean, when you're picked outside of the top 10, especially in the NBA draft, it's a crapshoot. You're hoping. You're you're just a hope at that point. I mean, you may have potential, but I give Kobe Bryant so much credit. I mean, he worked so hard to get as good as he got at basket. Like, he was not given the natural gifts of that of a LeBron James or or of a Kevin Durant. And that's why he's so similar in regards to, you know, Michael Jordan. He's often compared because they had similar games, right? And if you know, Michael Jordan was famously cut from his high school basketball team. Michael Jordan was not the number one overall selection. He always had a chip on his shoulder, you know, and, and Kobe Bryant had that same chip. You know, I, I clearly, I mean... I wasn't a Lakers fan, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend, you know, like I rooted for the, for the Lakers. I never did. I actually despised the Lakers, but I always did like Kobe. I loved his mentality. He was, you know, I can win. Give me whoever. I don't need this guy. I don't need that. You know, he, he always thought he was good enough, and he's going to make everybody around him better. Um, obviously, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. It's just incredibly sad. It was. It's just so crazy that, you know, and again, like people know me, they know I'm not a LeBron James fan by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm just—he's just not my cup of tea as a basketball player. Nothing against him as a person, but um, you know, he—I'm uh, very happy for him that he at least passed Bryant on that scoring list um, Saturday night. Because my goodness, if he did not, and this game coming up was the game where he was going to pass—I mean, that's just impossible. It would have been impossible. He wouldn't have been able to play. There's just no way. Um, you know, I, I and, and then you get the details now on what's going on with with this helicopter crash and how, you know, the weather may have played a part. And obviously it seems like it did. And, you know, if it was pilot error, mechanical error, um, it, it's, you know, everybody's got speculation out there. It's like we know two variables of this insanely complex algebraic equation and people are trying to draw conclusions. It's it's just crazy. It's going to take um, the investigation up to 12 to 18 months, which good. Let it take as long as it needs because, you know, you want the right answers when this thing comes out of what actually did happen. It's just such a shame, such a shame. And, 
you know, it's it's made watching basketball a little bit different for me this week. Um, probably for a lot of people. You know, Kobe Bryant was somebody I grew up with. He was like a great, great player that I grew up with. I was nine years old when he entered the NBA. I followed his whole career. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't my favorite player, but it's like, you know, I, I seen so much of him. I had to hear about him all the time in basketball. When I'm growing up, all the kids, you know, Kobe, 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 and, you know, to, to lose somebody this young, I mean, he's an Eagles fan too, ironically. Big Eagles fan. I, I mean, I remember seeing the videos now. I'm seeing them this week of him celebrating this one in the Super Bowl. You know, he gave an important speech to that Eagles team, people forget, in Los Angeles the year we did win that Super Bowl, right before that Rams game. You know, we'd come off a loss to the Seahawks where we didn't play well, and he gave a, a, a big speech to the team, and, you know, we we didn't really lose again. The only game we lost after that moment was the Cowboys game, and we did not play our starters. So, um, you know, like I said, thoughts and prayers go out to everybody involved in that horrific plane or uh, helicopter crash, and um, just a sad, sad day for, for everybody in sports. Um, but this week, you know, we have the Super Bowl. Big, big game here coming up with the Super Bowl, obviously. Uh, um, as of last week, I was I was feeling the Chiefs. I'm still feeling the Chiefs. I, I'm actually getting to the point where I think I can see Kansas City. I don't want to say blowing San Francisco out because I, I don't think they're going to blow San Francisco out. I think the Niners are really good. Uh, I don't want this to come off like I'm one of these people that believe San Francisco's kind of playing with house money. They're not. They're they're really good. I just I think Mahomes is just on a completely different level as a football player. And the team around him is just built so perfectly. You know, they have speed at every single position you need on offense and I think their defense is criminally underrated. Tyron Matthew is out of this world right now. He's playing on a different level defensively. You know, um, they, they have Steve Spagnola as their defensive coordinator there in Kansas City. He plays this, you know, blitz, heavy blitz defense, you know, to take chances, take risks. Um, I you know, In San Francisco, they, they don't do that. They rely on their front four to get pressure. They, they don't blitz the quarterback. And their front four can get pressure. It's kind of like what the Eagles want to do. They run the wide nine, the same thing, except, you know, Nick Bosa is better than Brandon, uh, not Brandon Graham, I mean, but better than Derek Barnett by about 2.7 million percent. So when he rushes the passer, it's actually this thing, it's crazy. It works. He's able to get pressure by himself. So um, they're wide nine. They don't really need to blitz so much because their front four is very good. Um And yeah, I think they'll obviously get to Patrick a little bit more than Tennessee did or... um or Houston, but even that, I, I just think he's so good right now. I could see this where it's close, 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 and then maybe in the fourth quarter, you just see Kansas City maybe with like five minutes to go open up by 14 points. And, and if it gets to that, it just, I don't know if, and again, I think Garoppolo's good. I do. I think he's a pretty good player. Um, I just don't think that maybe it's in their deck, San Francisco's. I don't, I don't think it's in their cards to... To be a team that could just come back when their back's against the wall. They're not built like that. They like to run the football. Shanahan is a great coach. 
great coach. And the thing to watch in this game is they're two coordinators. Now, they don't have an offensive coordinator because it's it, it is it's Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's the offensive coordinator. Um, but Mike LaFleur, brother of Matt LaFleur, the coach for the Packers, and uh, Mike McDaniel, he's the run game coordinator. Mike LaFleur is their passing game coordinator. I think a lot of what's happening with the Eagles in their search is dependent on, you know, interviews with potentially those two men. And I know people are trying to say, well, why would Mike LaFleur or Mike McDaniel leave essentially a job where they're the co-offensive coordinator, which they're not because they aren't given that title. But even if they were promised that, why would they leave that to go to Philadelphia? And things that people forget is one, they'd be the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm sorry, no matter what you want to say, that holds higher in regard than being a co-offensive coordinator. Teams that are hiring coaches, you know, that's what they look for. And another thing, Doug Peterson has gotten a coach, a head coaching job from that position. That's true. So, and oh, another thing that plays into it is the high regards people hold Carson Wentz. Remember, if you're going to become a coach of somebody, and you know Carson Wentz is the quarterback, and you believe Carson Wentz is an elite talent, then hell yeah, you're you're more interested in that job because you understand the fact that if Carson Wentz succeeds, it looks good for you. He can make you look a lot better and get you a head coaching job. That's the goal. Every coach's goal is to become a head football coach. Um, so do I think that there's a shot if Mike McDaniel or Mike LaFleur impress in an interview and the Eagles offer them a job that they would say no? I, I really don't. I think if it's something that those guys would want, because I, I, I don't see why they wouldn't, um, even if Kyle Shanahan promises them or John Lynch, whoever it would be, the the, the title of offensive co- or co-offensive coordinator, I just think it, it, if the Eagles offer it, it'll be a very attractive p- position to either or. And I could definitely see that. And I think that might be the reason why the Eagles are waiting. Again, maybe they have somebody in mind. I'm sure they do. I'm sure there's somebody right now who's their clubhouse leader, but they do want to give these interviews to these two, uh, two guys because, again, you'd be fools not to. The San Francisco 49ers are in the Super Bowl for a reason. They have great coaching. They have great players. They developed their talent. You'd be a fool to not want to pluck guys from that system. It's it's clearly working. But in regards to that game, like I said, I, I'll go Kansas City. I think Mahomes... This might be, he might have reservations on playing in Super Bowls for a long time. Um, he's just that good. Um, other news, like what's going on? How about this? Let's, let's know what nobody's talking about yet. And it never gets talked about until like March is college basketball. I've been really into college basketball this year. I, I more so than even the NBA cause I'm a Bulls fan and they're terrible. Um, but College basketball, I mean, I'm, I'm looking around, you know, nobody knows, like, what teams, uh, you know, are, are really good, because, you know, again, like, a lot of the public, it's football season still, and by the time football season ends, it's it's February, people are getting caught up on the NBA, you got, you know, the NBA All-Star game right there the week after, um, then all of a sudden you blink and it's March, and it's like, okay, I gotta have an idea of who could be really good with college basketball, because it's tournament time. Well, to me right now, um... I love San Diego State. They're an older team. They got a couple five-year or fifth-year guys. They're undefeaten. Um, they're coached really well. Kawhi Leonard's old school. It might be a Kawhi Leonard year, really. I mean, the Clippers might win. He's coming off of winning a title last year. And now his alma mater, really, I'm telling you this right now. Do not think for one second that San Diego State cannot win the national championship. They absolutely 100% can. And more so this year than ever because there is no dominant team the closest thing is Baylor people don't want to give them credit like 
last night, they were only four-point favorites against Iowa State. Iowa State is a 500 team. I know it was on the road. Four-point favorites. They won by 18. They were underdogs against Florida, who was not ranked on Saturday. Like, right now, Baylor is just, if you're into betting, they're easy money. They've been easy money. San Diego State has been easy money. Another team I like is going to be come to, and I know they just lost last Thursday, but I watched that game against Indiana, and I thought, you know what, it's, a lot of things are just not going their way in this game, but I think come tournament time, they are going to be so hard to beat is going to be Michigan State. And I know that's like, oh, wow, way to go out on a limb, Michigan State. Cassius Winston is awesome. He is an awesome collegiate basketball player. I don't know in regards to how good he'll be on a pro level, but at a collegiate level, he is awesome. He does everything right. And Tom Izzo is arguably one of, if not the best college basketball coach there is. You know, speaking of another one, Gonzaga. Gonzaga's really good, but we don't see him. There's really no players that are just like taking the game over. Like, you know, Zion's not playing in college this year. So it's a little different with college because there's not so many eyes on it because there's not so many guys that people think are like this next transcendent player. You got a guy like Marcus Howard out in Marquette. But, I mean, they're not good. Um, speaking of another underrated team, Dayton. Dayton's really good. If you watch Dayton play, they're pretty good. I think it's wide open in college basketball this year. It's, it's actually great to watch. That's why I enjoy watching it. But teams I've been the most impressed by are obviously San Diego State. And another team is Baylor. And I think Baylor's criminally underrated right now. I know everybody wants to believe, well, Kansas is going to win the Big 12. I go, okay, we'll see. I like Baylor. I think they are for real. I do not think their record is fake in any way, shape, or form. They just keep beating teams, and they keep beating teams up. Um, you know, um, another event that happened last week, I'm a golf guy, people know that. Um, Tiger Woods returned. He made his 2020 debut um, at Torrey Pines, uh, top 10. This is the best I've seen Tiger look for an opening tournament since he's gotten healthy again. So that's the last two, three years. Yeah, three years. He usually comes out a little slow, and I know he just won in October in you know Japan, and um, he obviously played extremely well in the President's Cup in you know December there, but this being his first tournament, he took some time off for the holidays. He looks so good. So good. Um... He had a couple, you know, just some spotty iron play maybe. But to, to come top 10 for an opener, I'm so excited. I'm telling you this right now. Tiger Woods is the best golfer on the planet. When The reason he didn't win at Torrey Pines was he just did not hit the ball close enough to the hole. And let me give you a heads up what's going to happen. He's going to figure out his iron play because he's the best iron player on this planet. His problem has always been getting off the tee. And guess what? He's getting off the tee now. If he is driving the ball with any accuracy, Tiger Woods is unbeatable. Still, at 44 years old, he's still unbeatable. This driver, this move to TaylorMade has, has 
saved his career. Like the craziest thing is like for people who don't golf, um, drivers have been adjustable. Like for instance, you can move the weight in the bottom of the club to to fit the swing you want. If you're hitting the ball to the right, you can move the weight a certain way to you know help correct it and square the face more in impact to stop it from going right or going left. And that's been going on for for a decade more. And Nike never did that. They never had that. He never knew what an adjustable driver was until he made this move to TaylorMade, which was two years ago when Nike ceased operations with golf equipment. And guess what? The driver he's got now, he was great with this M5 last year. He was, That was a driver used to win in, in Japan and, and at the President's Cup. Um, he switched this week to the, the new TaylorMade driver, their sim driver, and I was concerned. I thought, oh, and I know early in the week he said it was a little light. Well, he figured it out because he hit that club beautifully this week. And if he's a threat hitting the ball off the tee, if he's hitting um, 11 fairways with his driver, watch out. He's the best there is. I'm telling you, he's the best there ever was in terms of golf, and he's the best there is currently. These guys still can't play with him. He had his C game this week at Torrey, and he came top 10. That's not... That's, that's frightening for everybody else, and they know it. These guys know it. They're not stupid. They know it. I mean, really, he had a shot go in the hole from 120 yards this week and come out. I've never, ever seen that, ever, ever. He four-putted a hole. Never does that happen, ever. Two three-putts right there. By the way, that's four. So if you take away the, the four-putt from 30 feet and he just two-putts, which he'll do 99.9% of the time, there's two shots. The one ball that went in the hole and came out, there's three shots. The two extra three putts that were completely unnecessary, four or five. He lost by six. I just gave you five shots without even doing a damn thing different, hitting the ball the exact same way, not hitting any shots better, just putting a little bit better. And not even putting much better, just not imploding on greens. And again, why did that happen? It's called rust. He's not playing tournament golf. I'm telling you this right now. This guy is going to win the Masters again. That is not a prediction. That is a spoiler. That is a spoiler, a spoiler, and a spoiler. And he's breaking Jack Nicholas's record. I know. People don't want to believe that. It's still going to happen. He's in incredible shape. He looks great. His swing is so free right now. I know he's 44 and people think that is too old and he's going to eventually fall off. Tiger Woods is a different animal. I'm telling you this. You watch. Remember this. He's winning the Masters again. He's putting that green jacket on himself. And then this year, it's not going to be the fall that he had after the Masters last season where you know he, he misses the cut at the PGA. He really doesn't come close to competing in the U.S. Open. Um... You know, he, he doesn't really compete at the British. I think the Masters win took so much out of him, and he was just so thrilled to have finally climbed the mountain and winning a major again. He just never got prepared for any of those tournaments the way he wanted to. Well, he now knows. You think he didn't learn? He learned that what he has to do with his body to get prepared for those tournaments now. It won't happen again. He's winning two majors this year. Mark my words, he's winning two. He's winning two more this season. He will have 17 come the end of the year. Don't don't laugh when I say I told you so. But again, right now in terms of other sports news, really not much. 
I mean, NBA obviously is going. Um, there's nothing really to talk about in regards to the NBA right now because one teams right now the trade deadline's coming up. I, I'd want to wait till after the trade deadline before you start making any assumptions of who can win, who can't win. I, I mean, like if the Sixers make a big trade, obviously Philadelphia could can easily win the Eastern Conference. I mean, Milwaukee can make a trade. They're they're really good. Um, the Celtics are obviously good. That those are probably the three best teams in the East. The team I like that nobody's talking about is is Indiana. I actually think Indiana's real good. I do. And getting Oladipo back now. Here's the thing: he's been working to get healthy, not better. So you're not getting the best version of Victor Oladipo. But even without him, they were pretty good. I think that's a team to watch. If you said to me there's one sleeper team in the Eastern Conference that's going to cause problems, kind of like what Portland did last year when they went to the Western Conference Finals, I would tell you it's it's Indiana. But again, like I said, after the trade deadline, that could all change. In the West, um, I, I just think it's a two-horse race. I mean, you could try to argue with me. Maybe Utah gets into it a little bit. Um, I don't buy Houston. Not at all. I think they are just, ugh. Um, but I think it's the Clippers and the Lakers. I, I I lean more towards the Clippers right now, only because the, the Lakers are just old. They're just an old team. You know, LeBron and, and Anthony Davis are obviously top of the line. You can't do much better than those two, but it's like behind them. They're just old. And, and eventually, you know, you need some youth there. And then you look at the Clippers. You know, Kawhi is going to be rested because he doesn't play back-to-backs. Paul George really hasn't played much this year. He's out again. That could be a concern if he continues to be hurt, sure. But health versus, or healthy and healthy, I still think it's advantage Clippers. Now, like I said, trade deadline coming. Things can change. But, um, you know, um, when I come back next week, Hopefully there's some more sports news, some good sports news to talk about. You know, uh, obviously this week's marred by by tragedy, which is just so sad and horrible. But um, yeah, hopefully we got some good news maybe next week. Like maybe the Eagles will finally hire their coaches, so we'll have something really good to talk about. And maybe something cool will happen in sports. You know, uh, like I said, we'll go over the Super Bowl. We'll discuss who won, what that means. Um, we could even talk next week a little bit about the Eagles' schedule next season. I mean, I know who who they're playing. We just don't know, um, you know, when. But the teams are are available. The one better or the one, you know, bad thing about winning the division is you're gonna play the two teams that won divisions elsewhere. So it's like your two extra games are the two division winners. So this year we're playing the um, the um, NFC West. So we're gonna play the NFC South winner, which is New Orleans, and you're gonna play the NFC North winner, which is Green Bay. So it's it's that's a tough card to draw, but that's just the way football is. And we're playing the um, AFC uh, Central or North, sorry. Um, so you get Pittsburgh, you know, you get Cleveland, you get Cincinnati, who's gonna have Joe Burrow, and you get Baltimore. That's that's a tough division. <laughs> so the schedule we had this year, um, yeah, it's not the schedule we have next year. Next year's is is about ten times harder. That's football. And the beautiful thing is, with the exception of the two extra games where you play the two division winners, everybody in your division is essentially playing the same team. So, good luck. But, um, 
you know, I've I'm a big wrestling fan, so yes, I am going to talk a little wrestling here. So if you don't want to listen, you know, whatever, stop listening. Um, it was Royal Rumble week. I'm a big, big WWE guy. Obviously, AW, I like them all. Um, but the Royal Rumble was this week. You had Drew McIntyre win the Men's Royal Rumble, Charlotte Flair win the Women's Royal Rumble, The Fiend Bray Wyatt retain his uh, Universal Championship. Um, Brock Lesnar did not defend his WWE title. He was actually in the Royal Rumble itself. Um, the whole thing, though, with McIntyre winning it, I heard it came down to McIntyre or Aleister Black. They were going to have win it. Um, on the Raw side, I guess, like late in the week, two weeks ago, they decided to go away from Roman Reigns because he's going to end up challenging for the SmackDown title at WrestleMania. Um, for anybody who doesn't know wrestling, it's fake, so they pick winners. Um, but Vince McMahon has this obsession with just ruining wrestling right now, and I don't get why. Um, when I heard the news that Roman Reigns was the favorite to win, I just thought, man, this guy Roman Reigns, you know what I mean? Like everything that dude had to overcome, and he's finally the babyface, which is the good guy that the the company wanted. People for him people are rooting for him finally now because for years he was shoved down everybody's throat and he was he was booed because of it nobody wanted to be told who we had to like so roman reigns was just hated even though he's good and he's a good guy and and, you know he was a football player he's an athlete you know he's got all the tools but vince forced him he forced him down everybody's throat and made people resent him so i thought going in i'm like if you make this guy win the royal rumble people are going to boo him out of the building and sure as hell, what happened? When he came out, he was booed. And if you give him this mess, uh, WrestleMania match for the Universal title, I have a spoiler. He's going to be booed. I think the best course of action for them is to maybe make it a three-way. I, I would not make that a one-on-one match because I'm just telling you this right now. The bad guy is supposed to be Bray Wyatt. And he will be cheered vociferously at WrestleMania. To beat Roman Reigns. And another thing is, Bray Wyatt's new guy here, the Fiend, he has not lost. He has not been beaten. Are you setting it up to coronate Roman Reigns again? Because if you are, which you did years and years and years and years of, via whether it be beating The Undertaker or to beat Brock Lesnar like he did at SummerSlam and to beat this guy and this guy, it's like, how many times can you coronate him? You're not making him a bigger star. You're actually making him more resented. The guy can become a star. He does not need you to be force-fed down his throat. I I think having Roman Reigns win the WWE title again is not a bad thing at all. No. I just think you need to find a different spot for it this year than WrestleMania. I think he could go into WrestleMania as a champion. I do not think he should be winning titles there right now. Not at this time, at least. Um, On the Raw side, McIntyre's going to wrestle Lesnar. McIntyre's awesome. I mean... The guy literally was fired from the company to come back the way he did, and he is shredded and jacked out of his mind, much more disciplined. Um, 3MB to WWE champion. It already happened once with Jinder Mahal. It's going to happen again here with with Drew McIntyre. I don't see any way he loses to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. This will be the third guy they've used to coronate via Brock Lesnar. Um, They did it with Reigns. You've done it with Rollins. Now you're going to do it with McIntyre. it's cool stuff, but most importantly, how about the return of the rated us superstar? <laughs> Edge coming back, um, spinal stenosis. It's crazy. He's 46 years old, better shaped than he's ever looked in his entire life. The dude is 
ripped. Um, him and Randy Orton had the best pro wrestling angle I've seen on television in 10 years on Monday night. It was crazy because Edge was the good guy. Randy Orton, who is, you know, beloved because he's been around for so long, you know, turned on Edge and was booed by the fans. The fans actually did what they were supposed to because they believed in Edge so much. He was a good guy they can get behind. That's wrestling. That's what AEW is doing right now with guys like Chris Jericho and, and, and Cody Rhodes, you know, and John Moxley. They're, they're not making their good guys look like geeks. And when you do that, you get reactions that you want. People just think, oh, the fans are too smart. They know too much. They, they're going to just do what they want. No, the fans want to go along with the show. They're there because they paid their money and they want to be entertained and they, they want to go along with the show. They want to root for who they are supposed to root for. That's what happens in good movies. That's what happens in bad movies. That's what happens in sports. That's what happens in all forms of entertainment. But when you tell bad stories like Vince McMahon tends to do, he gets these awful reactions and then blames the fans because he says they're too smart. They, they, they don't want to believe in what they're supposed to believe and they don't want to follow the stories. Well, they followed it Monday night and you got the reaction you wanted. WrestleMania season coming up. It's just cool. It's very cool. I'll be talking more about it. Like I said, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I might be dedicating the end of my shows anymore here to a five-minute wrestling rant. Sounds like a good idea, at least until football starts. But um, wrestling quote of the week. Hmm. Well, um, let's go with... Matt Riddle, who is the man, by the way, he is the man, and just give you a nice little bro. Thanks for listening. Fly, Eagles, fly.